We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This week on the Garage Beers Podcast, it's episode number 104, and our special Olympic series continues this time with one of the heroes of the 1980 U.S. Men's Olympic Miracle on Ice hockey team, Rob McClanahan. Rob joins us in the garage to talk all things Olympics, his time with the team, his experience with Coach Herb Brooks. We've got our Garage Beers of the Week, our three cheers of the week, and so much more. So coming up the driveway, unfold your favorite lawn chair, crack open a cold one, and join us for Garage Beers. Hello and welcome everybody in to the Garage Beers podcast episode number 104. And this one is going to be huge. Go follow the Garage Beers podcast on all of our socials at The Garage Beers on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and everywhere else you could want to follow us. Uh, make sure wherever you're listening to this, if you're listening to the audio version, get over there and make sure you hit subscribe. Give us a rating. That stuff helps us out immensely. We appreciate you for that. With you, as always, I'm your host, Michael Keefe. Go follow me at Garage Beers Mike. And joining me, well, first of all, over on the east side of Cleveland, He's online at Garage Beers Chat. It's Chad Meyer. What's going on, Chad? Hi. Hi. Oh, boys, I'm tired. Let's make this a quick one. <laughs> <laughs> That's not, that is not how we're going to start this. All What's right. Why are you so tired? All right. I'm tired. I'm tired. Let's, uh, what? I, I have not slept a wink uh, in these past, I don't know, two or three days. Uh, kid has, kid has been sick. Uh, uh, he can't, he can't seem to find a way to shit on a regular basis. Uh, so we're good. Yeah, that's uh, that's where we're at right now. Some minor that's where problems we're at right now. Just keeps waking up. Just got some minor problems. No big deal. Uh, yeah. Other than that, you know, let's make it a quick one. He's he's your kid. He's your kid. Would you quit with the making a quick one? You stop it, Chad. <laughs> uh, all right. So Chad's having some some uh, problems clearing out the pipes with some of the family members over there on the east side of Cleveland. Joining us down there in Nashville, Tennessee, our other co-host. Find him online at Garage Beers. Joe. It's Joe Whalen. What's up, Joe? I may or may not have just taken down Christmas decorations. <laughs> <laughs> We're, I think I think, I think Chad and I are just a mess over here today. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, the two of you. Yeah. 
I, you know, it just kind of, yeah. kind of slipped, uh, slipped my mind, and um, <laughs> I have no, I have no good excuse for it, to be honest. They don't um, make, they don't make enough know. beer for me to hang out with you two tonight. You guys are in oh, rare no. form, but they, they do oh, make some Christmas sales that we'll be indulging in. So, <laughs> yeah, like you missed it, like you just, oh, honey, have you noticed? That our Christmas decorations are up because <laughs> I had no idea for these last <laughs> two months. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, once Lord. you know, we were like, "Oh, it's Valentine's Day, and I still see a tree and a star." And um, yeah. probably, probably should do something about that. I love it. Well, <laughs> hey, listen, boys. Episode one hundred and four. Uh, where we're at right now, this is going to be awesome. If you're joining us on the live stream, get ready because we are very shortly going to be joined by one of the one of the top members of the Miracle on Ice hockey team in 1980. Uh, a, a guy who, you know, whether you know him from the, the Olympics themselves, where he was a monster in that Olympic Games, or whether you know him from the movie, uh, the movie Miracle, uh, Rob McClanahan getting ready to join us. Uh, we are, just so you guys know this as, as you're watching live and as you're listening, we're going to bring Rob in when he gets here. He told us he, wa he wasn't going to be able to be here like right on time, but that's okay. Because we got plenty of other stuff to talk about. But when Rob gets here, we are going to have him jump in and we will talk to Rob McClanahan. So, boys, before we get into everything, Hopefully we got to. Hopefully, he gets gotta... here soon. Hopefully, he, he gets will. here soon so we can make He'll it a quick here. one. So we can make it a quick right. one. <laughs> <laughs> do you have something better to do, Chad? <laughs> Sleep. Sleep. Sleep for sure. <laughs> hey, hey, you haven't slept for three days. You don't need it tonight. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I know. I, I just wish there was. I just wish this beer I had tonight was like rocket fuel. And how are we going to keep you awake? Well, you just hinted at it. Before we get into everything we're going to talk about, we're going to get into our garage beers of the week. And so we need to know what kind of rocket fuel Chad's drinking. So Chad, you're going to kick us off. What's your garage beer of the week this week? Uh, well, my nephew pissed me off the other day, uh, and he <laughs> came over and got like a. a, a we get, uh, basically gave him like a $2,000 couch for free uh, just because, you know, you ever order anything off a of Wayfair and oh, yeah. then something's messed up with it. And then, and then, um, and then they just tell you, you know what, just keep it <laughs> like, no, there's no return policy. Just keep it. And then you, know, you got to figure out what you want to do with it. Wow. So yeah, we just get, we just, there was, there was a whole bunch of scratches on the back of this couch. So we had to get a new one of it and they're like, yeah, just keep it. So like, what the hell are we going to do with this large couch? In, in our garage. So my nephew was like, I'll take it. Like, fine, come on over. Oh, he no. Goes, the garage uh, couch is gone? The garage couch is gone. Bye-bye. Uh, oh, yeah, bye-bye. Uh, but, yeah, uh, to make up for it, to, to give us a present, he brought me, like, a mixed six-pack of beer. And I'm like, oh, this is sweet. I like this. I look at, like, four of them, <laughs> and I go, you, I go, you son of a bitch. Do you know me at all? <laughs> uh, clearly he doesn't. So, but the one thing that these beers do have going for it is they're free. I mean, otherwise, I would I would not buy these myself. So I'm just going to start with the worst one of the bunch tonight, guys. And this one is from uh, Heart State Brewery down in Gahanna, Ohio. And this is called Throb. And it's a West Coast IPA. Oh. Throb. <laughs> okay. The okay. West Coast IPA. Wow. An excellent name for a yeah, beer, Throb, Throb. <laughs> West Coast IPA, uh, and it's brewed with cit Citra and Simcoe hops. And here we go. Let's 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 have a taste. Let's have it. Looks let's piney. Have a taste. 
Yeah. Okay. Instantly, I feel like I own an eight hundred square foot, uh, an eight hundred square foot ap- uh, three bedroom apartment down in Tremont, and I like to go stand up. Pa- <laughs> I like to go stand up paddle boarding in flannels. So <laughs> there we go. That's that's where I'm at with this West Coast IPA stuff here. Wow. Hey, sounds delicious. Sounds like something I would love, except for the flannel paddle, paddle boarding. Flannel paddle boarding. I don't know if I can even say that properly. Flannel. All right. So. Yeah. Right. Chad is drinking Throb. Okay. Uh, Joe, send it down to Nashville. What's your garage beer of the week this week? Just going to keep the Christmas theme going. Uh, I got Holiday <laughs> Lights by Unplugged. One of my, one of my, one of I've been, I've been saving for a while, and I figured uh, probably no time like taking down your Christmas tree to enjoy a Christmas beer again. How is it? It's delicious. It it tastes like I forgot to drink this beer two months ago. Uh, also forgot to take down my stuff two months ago. So it uh, tastes like forgetfulness. I love it. All right, so that'll bring it over to me. And uh, since we've got a uh, – it will be a hockey-themed show tonight, uh, although we're going to start with something that isn't hockey. I got one that is – well, it just sounds like a hockey beer. And it's from North High Brewing uh, down in Columbus. And it's called – Filthy McNasty. And That's awesome. Filthy, Filthy McNasty. It says the legend of Filthy McNasty's brew dates back centuries. We were lucky enough to come across his recipe book and bring you history in a can. Filthy McNasty, Russian Imperial Stout. So let's give huh. it a try. Give it a try in our awesome garage beers, beer glass oh, yeah. here that you can't see because of my screen. But I got you. It's delicious. It's a it is a big, heavy Russian Imperial Stout. Nothing you can go wrong with there. So uh, that's it for us. We've got we've got the Throb, which is the worst name for a beer I think I've ever heard. Uh, Gross, right? It, it sounds terrible. And it's so unappetizing. Yep, it sounds awful. <laughs> yeah, nothing like just a yeah. throb in the mouth. Uh, I don't really know uh, what they're doing down there in Gahanna. Joe's Joe's drinking Christmas, and I've got Filthy McNasty. Those are our Garage Beers of the Week. If you're joining us live tonight, uh, again, remember, get into those comments, jump in. First of all, let us know what you're drinking, uh, uh, and uh, let us know if you have any suggestions for things that you want us to try. If you're listening to this, get over to our socials. Let us know if you've got anything you want us to try as well. But to you guys here on the podcast, I say cheers. To those of you watching and listening, we say cheers, and now it's time for us to jump in to episode 104 of the Garage Beers podcast. So, uh, the first thing, uh, the first thing that we're going to get into, and again, if you're joining us and you've seen all the, all of our posts and stuff online, you know we've got Rob McClanahan waiting in the wings. We're just waiting for him to get here. Uh, but before he gets here, the good news is it's not like we have to wait around with nothing to talk about. We've got plenty right. to talk about. We are currently two days removed. From the Super Bowl, from the Super Bowl, where, sorry, I got to get to Paul Spencer and our com- our commenter, Paul Spencer, has now asked like four times where you live on the east side, Chad. Uh, Menor. Menor. Mentor, Ohio. Chad's a Mennerman. Yeah. Is that what they call, is that what they call you? Mennerman? Men- Mennerman? No, Mennerman. no. That's, Mentor, that's, right? But that should be, uh, that should be the name now. Mennerman. I've never heard that in my life. Chad's a Mennerman. Uh, so there you go, Paul. Now you know where Chad's from. Uh, so the Super Bowl happened Sunday. Uh, and, and the first thing that I want to start with, the world went ballistic because Odell Beckham won a championship. Ah! <laughs> the Cleveland world. Dude, I have to tell you, I have to tell you, 
Oh, sorry. Paul Spencer in the comments here is upset that that's not actually Cleveland. Sorry <laughs> that he doesn't just live on like the east side of Cleveland, Paul. Uh, my favorite thing that happened in this Super Bowl, right? Correct. I said, Cor- I s- correction, correction. Sorry, Paul. I live on 152nd and Eddie Road. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, my favorite thing that happened. Again, I said this. I, we talked about it. I didn't really have anybody to root for in the Super Bowl. This whole conversation of like, you got to pick one or the other. Y'all, my team, we're here on the Orange and Brown Report. My team that wears the Orange and Brown has been out for weeks. So the, the only team that I root for wasn't playing. So yeah. I, so I didn't feel the need. No, 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 no. But, like, who who did you root for? Holy shit. <laughs> need nobody. You know what I rooted for? I rooted for exactly what happened. I wanted whatever happened in the game. I didn't care because my team wasn't playing. But whatever happened, I wanted it to just be Twitter chaos, people exploding, going crazy. And that's what we had early in the game when Odell Beckham catches a touchdown. That was my favorite thing that happened in that game was Odell Beckham catching a touchdown. Because Twitter yeah. erupted. Yeah. 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 It was perfect. I don't yeah, I don't understand why people are still on this OBJ thing, but uh, if that causes Twitter to go in a ruckus, uh, I'm 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 all for it because uh, OBJ <laughs> hasn't mattered in Cleveland for months now, and I don't know why people are doing this. Like, like being like like still obsessing over this like OBJ thing, why it left Cleveland is kind of like I don't know, w- like obsessing over your spouse leaving you for somebody, uh, and and wanting to know why, except like you never met the spouse. Like <laughs> like it like it just doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> Like, I, I just don't – yeah, it, and, and and it doesn't matter. Like, here's the other thing. It wasn't working with Odell Beckham and Cleveland. No, clearly it wasn't the right fit. Yeah, On whether that was a bigger thing or an OBJ thing or a Kevin Stefanski thing, like, it just wasn't working. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So if he, goes you know, and wins, <laughs> if he goes and wins Super Bowls in L.A., it doesn't matter to Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, and it didn't work here. And the reasons why – don't matter anymore. Do you know why? Because he's not a Cleveland fucking Brown anymore. <laughs> Get over it. Oh, Honestly, man. I'm surprised we didn't see more Larry uh, Ogunjobi tweets uh, during the during the game. <laughs> yeah. Poor Larry. Poor poor Larry. Uh, poor Larry. Poor Larry. The friend, other, of the, friend of the friend of the show, Ricky Smith. But then, but then, who was friend of the friend of the show? That was awesome. Who who was pouring <laughs> fuel on the flames all night long? How about none other than like Hall of Fame legendary broadcaster Al Michaels? Who oh, God. Literally every chance he got, every chance Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth had, they were like, what did Chris Collinsworth say early in the game? Like, Cleveland showed him the door, Odell threw him to the Beckham, street. <laughs> thrown out to the streets by the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> yeah, that's what exactly what think, happened. What do you think happened here? What? <laughs> And then all the way through, all the way through, like, all the way through, Al Michaels, Cle- oh, for Cleveland, Cleveland let him go, Cleveland let him go, blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden at the end of the game, just one more shot. The, the Odell Beckham, after the Rams win, they show like a picture of him and Al Michaels is like, a, a championship all the way from Cleveland. That's a pretty far <laughs> distance. I was like, if I saw this man right now, I'd hit him in the face. I would Odell, punch Al Michaels in the face right now. Like, like Odell showed up in Berea one day and all of his shit was just laying there in the front yard. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, yeah, we just threw him out on the street. 
It's like an eviction right, notice a, at his locker. Give me a break. Yeah, the pink <laughs> tag like in Major League. So we have – it made me – I don't hate Odell Beckham. Like he he didn't like it here. And and there's an element to this that people just kind of tend to forget over time, which is this is this guy's this is this guy's job. This is what he does for a living. And just like you, if you're listening to this or you're watching this and you don't like what you're doing for a living and you go do something else, whatever. Like nobody cares. That's what you whatever. That's fine. But because it's your team or whatever, it's this personal like you feel like you've been slighted and stabbed in the back. The only thing that was getting me, so through the game, I, I didn't have any problem with Odell. It wasn't working here. It's not like we lost a top producer and then he was gone because he hated it. He wasn't producing at all. And he left. And the Browns were the same team without him as they were with him. Uh, the thing that was killing me, though, I started to hate him because of the way everybody was talking about him. <laughs> I, as, as soon as they started talking about, like, uh, like, like he was here giving it his all and doing everything he could. And he was producing, and he was doing so great with the Browns, and then they just showed him the door. And I was like, I think I hate Odell Beckham all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. With all, with all of this fan obsession, I'm starting to hate my own team. <laughs> there's some honest, fan, I will never hate my own team, but there's some fans, man, that can just kiss a whole rear end. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm not. I'm never gonna hate my team, but still, it's just it's it's so exhausting to hear. Uh, real, real cute here, SZ in the comments. <laughs> Mike, how you dealing with Johnny Manziel? You all know how I'm dealing with Johnny Manziel. We don't need to talk about him. Let's talk about Odell Beckham instead. Oh, uh, okay. But then, the, then, then things f- switch for me. The switch gets flipped for me, right? Because then after the game, the Rams win the title. The Rams are Super Bowl champs. Odell Beckham is getting a ring. There he is. You see him on the screen holding up the trophy. And then all of a sudden, the Browns start tweeting congratulations to Odell Beckham. <laughs> and it starts with guys like Mac Wilson. And then, and, and you know, Mac Wilson is, Mac Wilson's probably, outside of Baker Mayfield himself, might be the most polarizing Browns player, right? Like, People either think Mac Wilson can be okay or he's the worst linebacker that ever lived. And that's like where it is. So he starts tweeting his congrats. Some other players start tweeting their congrats. Then you've got like super popular players like Greg Newsom, who are like kind of poking fun at the fans, like, oh, they big mad, you know, like <laughs> and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I'm back on, I'm back on board team OBJ right now because the <laughs> the the fans, not all the fans. Not our fans. If you're listening, you were cool with this. But the fans on Twitter, like tweeting at Greg Newsom, well, you could just find another team to play on. No. (laughs) Fucking what? (laughs) What? Are you kidding me? (laughs) Like tweeting at these guys. He left you. He stabbed you in the back. He was your brother. No. He plays football for a living. It was the most, it was the wildest ride. Chad, I know you were watching it too. I know you were on Twitter watching it. I was having, I was, I, this was better than a Cedar Point roller coaster for me. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. I just, I, it just, it's just so wild to me that the things Twitter obsesses over. Uh, and the more and more I, I get into it, the more and more I'm just kind of enjoying the rabbit hole. Like, I don't know whether I want to troll. 
or like go off on people. Like, I, but I'll tell you what, it, it's entertaining. Uh, but you know, I, I don't know if Greg Newsom was trolling either. I don't know if these guys are serious, but they just, they just, they just know what grinds Cleveland's gears. And the fact that fans are obsessing <laughs> over the fact that fans are obsessing over this reasoning, they, they, it's like they, it's like they need closure. And I just, and and they want the players to be on their side so bad. The players don't owe you anything. The play they are also you know, just playing football. They just happen to be in your city, right? It's like it's it's almost like yes, okay, yes. You you do feel a personal connection, yeah, because it is your team. But guess what? These guys are not in your circle of friends. Like they're not going to tell. They, they 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 don't need to tell you anything. They're not going to tell you anything because it's in their it's in their circle. <laughs> Okay, you're the fans. They're the players. They're 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 on a different level. What they go through every day is nothing is as is 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 nothing like what you go through every day. So it's 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 never going to come out. Whatever closure, whatever reasoning you're looking for is never going to come out. You're never going to get the truth about it. Yeah, you're never going to get the truth. Oh. So move on. I don't know. But I get it. L- listen, the one thing I do get, I get as a fan, as a fan myself. These teams are 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 like a representation of your city, and if you are a Clevelander and you're a Browns fan, they represent the Browns. They represent Cleveland, and they represent the place that you love. And maybe you don't live in Cleveland anymore, but they represent where you grew up. They represent a part of where your heart is. That's part of the reason people get so passionate about these pro sports teams is for what they represent. Having said that, the players don't feel that at all. Like no. I, I wish, I wish people would really understand that, like the the passion and the the personal level of what's going on with the Super Bowl or with with the football team and in the Super Bowl and all that stuff. The personal level, you as fans feel that. Yeah, players don't. We as fans feel that. Players don't yeah. feel that. So when Odell Beckham went and won a ring with the Rams, these guys were tweeting at their buddy. Yeah, he, he left. Think of it. I, I put it in, in in this perspective on Twitter. We all know somebody we work with that's not very good at the job we do. <clears throat> at, at, at any job you have at your workplace, I guarantee you, you work with somebody that's not very good, but they might be a buddy of yours. They might be a friend of yours. You might have a friend at your job who kind of sucks at the job, but they're funny and they're a good dude and you like them. Are you trying to call out somebody here, Mike? No, no, but this is this is the outrageous part of this to me. So let's say all of a sudden your buddy's miserable at that job, but they're your friend and they're cool. They're miserable at that job, so they quit that job and they go take another job, even if it's with a competitor. They, they, they're like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to get... Are you supposed to hate that person all this? Are you supposed to be like, I'm deleting this shit out of my phone. You are no longer my friend because you have betrayed my employer and now we can't be cool anymore. That's what's supposed yeah. to happen. Yeah, <laughs> I do that. You're damn right. You're damn right, Mike. Okay. All right. Charles from back at Unifirst. Suck it, dude. Okay. <laughs> Suck it, dude. Suck it for moving on to a better opportunity. Listen, the love of the game. The love of the game for a lot of these guys stops after college because, because the reason you're the reason you are trying to make it to the NFL, sure, there's a side of it that's there's a side of it that's for the love of the game, but for the most part, it's to set you and family up for their future for their future. So these guys are gonna make the best business decision for themselves. 
it doesn't matter the team. There's, I mean, there's, there's, there's no like the like the 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 generation in the in the eighties and nineties when guys actually felt that like felt some sort of sense of loyalty to their teams is long gone. You rarely see that now. These guys, the, this generation, these guys these days are going to do what's best for business. And that is, and that's exactly what what Odell Beckham is doing. That's exactly what I mean. I don't know. I, I'm so I'm so tired. I can't even figure out names right now. But there's I mean, there's plenty of other players <laughs> that do that. So so if for for people who want this sense of loyalty to a team, forget about it. This this the NFL is a business first. And guess what? Coming soon, April May, we're gonna we're gonna have a whole new crop of employees <laughs> coming in that might be. Loyal to Cleveland. I don't know. It all depends on how much, whether they can get to that second contract with Cleveland or, or not. Mm-hmm. And it comes, and and the thing is, the, the the shame of it is that we tie the the personal feelings we have towards our, our, our cities to it, but it's a business on all ends. There's, there's no loyalty from the owners to the players, and there's no loyalty from the players to the owners. It isn't about the city. There's no sense, and, 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 and I don't know that I'm saying this in a bad way. There's no loyalty all around, but I, does there really have to be? It's again, this is a job. I, I, I if, if, if in my day job, if I quit or leave or whatever, they're moving on without me. It's like I was never there. That's the same thing with you, Chad, and you, Joe, and everybody else. If I leave, they're moving on without me. These are jobs for these guys. So, again, for us, let's have the passion and let's get into it. But for me, it goes. It just goes a little too far. When you are online and you're saying some pretty nasty, disrespectful, gross stuff to players because they're tweeting congratulations at their friend who happens to be a former teammate <laughs> because they just won the Super Bowl. If that is what works you into a shoot, if that's what gets you going, man, let's reevaluate. Let's reevaluate a little bit. <sighs> Because, but, but still, but, lessons. But still, still, suck it, Charles. Okay, suck it, Charles. <laughs> yeah, hate that guy. Uh, so, what do we learn from the Super Bowl, right? Because one of the fascinating things coming into this Super Bowl, and this is where I'm going with. Although, Joe, you were just jumping right in with an answer. I, that. I, so I, I learned know. something that I think I already knew, but it just reconfirmed it. I want to know. <laughs> the Bengals. It's kind of like a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Can I go to the Bengals for a minute? Yeah. They did nothing to address the offensive line issue, and they lost the Super Bowl because their offensive line blew. That's it. Yeah. The Bengals did nothing to address that situation, and they got a nice, shiny new receiver, uh, Jamar Chase, who's been fantastic and might be the reason that they made it as far as they did. So you can't count that out either. But, like, when it came down to when you're when you're trying to construct your team and you come down, all right, what's that person, what's that piece that's going to get us to that final play to win the Super Bowl, it was sorry, my dog's opening the door. It it was the lack of a talented offensive line that held them back. And I don't know if that makes them kick themselves, front office being being they, or if that's kind of like, you know, they're kind of just happy to be there kind of thing. But man, that's that's pretty brutal. Uh, especially on the last play of the game for it to come down to Aaron Darnold just absolutely well, lining up all sides, but absolutely tearing through that offensive line. I got to say, you, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, do you guys think that 
in some way, shape, or form that the, the Cincinnati front office, when they didn't address the offensive line in the offseason, do you think in some way, shape, or form that they never thought in their wildest dreams that they would get to the Super Bowl? So they were like, oh, we'll get, we'll get Joe uh, another weapon surrounding him, and then maybe we'll address offensive line next season. Like, do you, really do you think in their wildest – do you think of their yeah. wildest dreams they thought they would be here? <laughs> it's so tough because I think at the start of every season, you want to say that you're going for the Super Bowl because, yeah. you know, what's the point if not? Uh, but then you look at, like, you know, Zach Taylor had, like, a 16 and, like, 35 record going into the Super Bowl. And, like, yeah. you know, it's not, like, a historically fantastic team, but, like, man, did they just blow every expectation out of the water this year. Yeah, and and listen, that uh, it wasn't stupid. I want to uh, to your question, Chad. It wasn't stupid as far as them taking Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is phenomenal, phenomenal. Uh, so that's not stupid. Right. the The reason I said it was the reason I said the word stupid is because you've got a quarterback coming off of a a, a leg injury. <laughs> that also got, doesn't know how to slide very well. Who and got still it? Takes a lot of hits, and he got hit more than anybody in the NFL last year. And he's your shiny. He's Joe Burrow. Guys, I don't know why we continue to forget this. The quarterback is going to win you or lose you a Super Bowl. Yeah. Your quarterback is going to be what gets you there or what doesn't get you there. Even more now than ever in the past. We can point to teams in the past and be like, well, look at that team. They had a shitty quarterback. Yeah, that isn't really the way things are going in the NFL anymore. You need that quarterback. So, Knowing that your quarterback was the most hit quarterback and it ended his year last year with a leg injury, you would have thought the Bengals would have been like, uh, hi, guys, priority number one. You know that guy who we're going to try to ride to Super Bowls in the future? We got to make sure we're not losing his knees by the time he's 26 years old. And they didn't do anything about it. And I thought it was, Joe, I think that's a great point. I thought it, you couldn't have written the ending to the game any better because when it came down to it, the the area that when you looked at this Super Bowl and thought, all right, I'm assessing this. What do I think is going to happen? You looked at that defensive line for the Rams and you looked at the offensive line for the Bengals and you went, oh, shit, that's yeah. a huge mismatch. And for a huge. while, the Bengals were able to kind of keep up. But when it came down to it in that second half and especially in the fourth quarter, those dudes pins, pin their ears back. That offensive line had no chance. And when they needed that one last play, it was that defensive line and Aaron Donald that made it. I mean, that that's what yeah. a way to end that game. It's just it's, 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 it's incredible because uh Joe Burrow is a quarterback that will win you Super Bowls. Like he is absolutely more than talented to do so. He's more than talented to carry a team to a postseason like he did this year. And yeah, just to, to end that, just to lose it on that final play and like you know you could also take what the other eight or nine sacks that he got that game and take that into account as like the reason they weren't further ahead but that's, that's a tough pill to swallow yeah that was yeah it was crazy so uh the other thing is the other thing what did we learn you've got two teams that did things very differently that both got themselves to the super bowl right the Bengals have built themselves through the draft and then sporadic free agency right the Rams, I don't think the Rams have had a first-round pick in a few years, and they don't have another one until, like, 2026. <laughs> like, yeah, the Rams have depleted their draft. They said, we're not building this team through the draft. We're going to go out there, and we're going to make trades, and we're going to sign free agents that are going to win us a Super Bowl. And I think the thing that I learned is we could sit here and talk about how you want to do it all you want. There is no right way to do this. 
No, there's no. Because it's not every year that the person there, the team that's buying, is making it to the Super Bowl. It's far from it. But they they played Yankees better than Yankees are the Yankees, and (laughs) they 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 built their team and and traded and you know signed their team uh, all the way to the end this year. Oh, Mike. uh, Speaking of that, how do you feel about the MLB? Oh, for fuck's sake! (laughs) No. No, we are not going into the MLB. We're not going into the MLB. Hey, listen, I know you've all joined us. You've seen our you've seen our uh, advertisements uh, about Rob McClanahan again. We're just kind of waiting on him to get here. He said he wasn't going to be able to be here right right near nine o'clock, and so uh, we're just kind of rolling until he gets here. Uh, but obviously, talking Super Bowl. Listen, with the Super Bowl, there was some good stuff. There was some feel good stuff. Matthew Stafford yeah. winning a Super Bowl. I don't know if you can't feel good about that. If you can't feel good about that, I don't know what you can feel good about, man. This dude has spent his career in Detroit where he was an elite quarterback year after year after year after year, but you'd never know it because Detroit never built anything. They gave him a decent offense at times, and then that when they had a decent offense, they'd have the worst defense in the league. Then they would go spend money on defense, and then their offense would fall apart. Uh, Detroit just could never get it right. This dude goes and plays – in LA and makes that move and wins a Super Bowl. I think that what a story for a guy that again, I think Matthew Stafford has spent more of his career being elite than than not. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it was <laughs> he was a great quarterback uh stuck in a in a, in a terrible situation. Uh I, I mean, it's just who was it? It was was Matt Millen still the GM at the time, and he just kept taking receiver after receiver after receiver after receiver, yes. and just like oh, I just wouldn't improve. Only only uh, receivers with the last name of Williams. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Williams or Johnson, one of the two. Uh, yeah, just put in a terrible situation. Never complained. Never called out anybody. Just went out there and performed. Played through all kinds of injuries. See that Browns game with Brady Quinn at quarterback. Uh, oh God. And uh, played through all kinds of injuries, and he performed uh, at an elite at an elite level uh, at an elite level, even through all of those shit Detroit Lions seasons. So yeah, I mean th- this guy, what a story! Honestly, it, it, it was it was you're right, Mike. It was a feel good story. Twelve years in the league, finally mm-hmm. gets a chance to go win, and he get he gets it. So good for him. Yeah, if there was like one thing I think I rooted for in the Super Bowl, and not necessarily the Ram, like having the Rams win, but having Matthew Stafford get a ring is like pretty cool. I think, uh, yeah, he he probably deserves it just as much as uh, anybody, and also Andrew Whitworth as well. Yeah, wow. our, our good lord, talk about somebody that deserves it as well. Our buddy in the comments, uh, BD Chins. Don't forget my man Whitworth. Uh, that was another. I love the story he told when he was named the Man of the Year about uh, when when they played the Lions. This year, the Rams played mm-hmm. the Lions and a guy on the Lions came up and said, hey, you probably don't remember me, but you spent a lot of time kind of talking to me and being a mentor to me. And and he said, look, Wit, I made it. And uh, that what a cool story that was. Yeah. Uh, a, a guy that looked up to Whitworth since he was a kid. And now he's playing in the NFL, playing for the Lions. Really cool story. So, yeah, good storylines all around there. I mean, Sean McVay. Finally wins his championship. Uh, he's you know boy genius, uh, and <laughs> could couldn't win it a little while ago. But boy genius wins his title, and and then then the other thing we learned, guys, and let's spend a minute on this. All right, the team that was supposed to come in last place in the AFC North just yeah. went to the Super Bowl. Yeah, the yeah. 
Let's look at the AFC North for a minute, boys. Uh, okay. The team that was supposed to be to win the AFC North, or the team that was supposed to lose the AFC North, come in last place, just went to the Super Bowl. So you, your Cincinnati Bengals are much better, regardless of what else happens, than anybody thought they were. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Baltimore Ravens played this entire year with about a thousand injuries. Yeah. You you cannot rely on the Baltimore Ravens playing another year with all those injuries. No. The Pittsburgh Steelers are resetting at quarterback. Now, if there's a team in the AFC North you look at and go, okay, maybe they're bound for a down time, it's them. But first of all, we don't know who they're going to replace Ben Roethlisberger with. And number two, we learned it this year because the Steelers were another one of those teams this year where we thought, okay, they're not going to be much of anything. And once again, there's a playoff team in Pittsburgh. The Pittsburgh (laughs) Steelers are not dead and out of it until they are officially eliminated from playoff contention, and that's it. And so all of a sudden, guys, here where it feels like the Browns are finally in a position. I know they the Browns went 8-9 and nine this year, and they didn't live up to expectations, but they're finally a team that everybody looks at the Browns and thinks that's a team that should contend. Whatever moves they're going to make, that's what the expectation is. This would be a, a contending team. Now all of a sudden, there's four teams in the AFC North. All of them are contenders. <laughs> It's it's a gauntlet. It's a gauntlet. It's going to yeah. be a tough division. It's going to be a tough division. <laughs> it was this year. Hell. Yeah, that's true. I, I still say the Steelers are a s- absolutely terrifying team. Uh, ben or no Ben, they basically had no quarterback this year and still were contending for a playoff spot for most of the season. Um, right. You know, I don't know if this is like the strongest quarterback class coming out of college right now, but like they could pick up like a Jameis Winston. Or who knows if, you know, they can swindle Aaron Rodgers out of Green Bay. Like, they are just a couple short pieces away from being at the top of this division yet again. Uh, So I am, like, so hesitant to pull the trigger on saying that they're going to have a down year this year. Um, But this is a tough division. I mean, you're like you said, the Ravens are, you know, coming off of one of the most prolific injury seasons I think I've ever seen a single NFL team have. Uh, and it's, you know, Bengals are going to come back just as strong as they were this year, I'm sure. And they might have an offensive line too. Who knows? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's, uh, it's, it's, I tweeted about it, I think during the game, but, uh, the Bengals made it all the way to the Super Bowl with an atrocious offensive line, an absolutely yeah. atrocious offensive line. When this team addresses that issue this off season, <laughs> Look out! I, I mean, I mean, look the hell out, guys! I, I, the sky's the limit for this team. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say this about the Bengals: Do I think the Bengals are as good to move on as they probably feel like they are right now? No, like I don't think that defense is as good as that defense was playing, but they just got hot, and that's that's it. That's the thing. That's why that's why you always say it, and and you say it to me all the time, Joe. When we're talking about Guardians baseball, you know, just get to the playoffs. Just get to the playoffs. And that's what everybody says. And it bums me out because the Guardians yeah. slash Indians don't do anything <laughs> when they get to the playoffs. But like you saw it with them in 20, you saw it with the Indians in 2016. They maybe weren't the best team in baseball that year, but man, they got hot at the right time and they steamrolled their way into a. They didn't have game. a pitching rotation and they made it to the World Series that right. that playoffs. Like, 
Yeah, I mean, they, you just have to get there, and you never know what's going to happen. And yeah, that that defense, you know, they were good when they needed to be. Um, they weren't a great defense, but uh, you know, um, <laughs> their offense never got cold, uh, and that's what kept them, you know, advancing every week. Good lord, boys, it's it's going to be a gauntlet. I, I I don't again, I don't know that they're going to be quite what they were. Uh, this year, but again, that's a scary thing. Uh, anyways, there was a lot for us to learn. It was a crazy Super Bowl. It was even more crazy in Cleveland watching things just go go down on social media uh, with everything that happened. But uh, boys, I'm very excited to announce that our special guest is in the building. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, and like I said, we are uh, we are so excited for this. We have been Chad's excited. We <laughs> have been uh, uh, we love Olympic time. We've had all kinds of great Olympians join us, including Bonnie Blair last week. If you didn't catch last week's episode with Bonnie Blair, go check that out. It is it was a great time. But we're about to bring on a man that was uh, well, he was a huge, huge part of what I think a lot of people would call literally the greatest sporting moment potentially in the history of this country. And when I say the word miracle, y'all know what I'm talking about. He is one of the heroes of the 1980 U.S. men's hockey team that defeated the Soviets and then went on to win the gold. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome on to the Garage Beers podcast, Rob McClanahan. Rob, welcome to the Garage Beers podcast. Uh, thank you very much. I apologize for being so late, fellas, but um, I'm coaching and I had obligations. No problem. Yeah, yeah, obligations, those have to happen. We we all know how that goes, but we very much appreciate you making a little bit of time for us tonight to uh, to come on, obviously, during the Winter Olympics and, uh, uh, and, and relive, like I said, one of the greatest moments that has uh, that's ever gone down in Olympic history. So, so Rob, have you been have you been watching the Olympics? I've been watching a little bit. <clears throat> Unfortunately, the games are so late and I get up at five, five thirty. So it's a little hard for me to stay up late. I will likely watch uh, tomorrow night when the women play, and uh, hopefully the men continue to be find success, and I'll watch them as well. Wait, where? Uh, rewind a second, uh, Rob. Where are you coaching at? Are you still benching uh, Herb's grandkids? Or <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish. No, oh, okay. <laughs> Actually, ironically, I did coach the Paradise Boys. My daughter, when she was a peewee, was playing with the boys, and we went to a tournament. You know, Lake Placid hosts these, these Can-Am hosts these youth tournaments every weekend. And so we went up for a tournament that, uh, over a weekend, and, and those two boys played 
played for me. Um, but I'm coaching a high school. It's called the Blake School in Minneapolis. It's where my daughter went to school. And I'm coaching the boys' varsity hockey team. Oh, nice. Perfect. How's it going? How's the year? How's the season going? We're, uh, depends on the day. Sometimes, <laughs> we're, sometimes we're really good and sometimes we're bad. But, um, you know, I have two full-time jobs and I only get paid for one. And they haven't fired me from the one I haven't got. I'm not getting paid for. So, <laughs> perfect. Uh, on the bad days, I haven't had any parental issues, so something's going uh, right. On the bad days, do you do you tell them to get out on the ice until they the rink manager shuts the lights off? I haven't done that, but I did skate them yesterday. I did. They did. They weren't very happy. And I I have some really really good assistant coaches, and I I told them I said, you know, it's a little late, but these guys aren't in very good shape. Ah, ah, there it is. There it is. He's always creeping in the back of your mind, isn't he, Rob? He's always creeping in the back of your mind. Yeah. So, Rob, I don't know. We we always ask this question. I don't know if you are even a person that does, uh, but because we are the Garage Beers podcast, we always we always ask. I don't I don't think you're having a beer with us. Actually, I am. I am. Am I allowed to embellish? Please embellish, and please let us know what you're having. Oh yeah! Look at that! <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> Is that a miracle on ice glass? Yes. There's a there's a it's a local uh, ale that that uh, a guy named Bobby Grazinger who is a little older than I am played at Denver University, bought the company and they produce. It's called Miracle on Ice Ale, Golden Ale. That oh. is just. Do you get the souvenir? Do you get the souvenir when you buy it? Do you get the glass when you buy it? No, I don't know, but you can get it though. They they sent it to uh, all the guys on the team. Nice. Can, can we? Do you get Do you get Miracle on Ice beer for free for the rest of your life? Oh, I wish. Christ, I'd be an alcoholic if I did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, cool. I love that. A Miracle on Ice beer joining us on Garage Beer. There's another one to add to the Garage Beers of the Week. Uh, so this is my favorite question to ask Olympians, Rob, as we get to this time every year. And, and, and it's been a little over 40 years since the Miracle on Ice. But does this time of the year when you see the Olympics coming, does it get your juices flowing a little bit? Like, do you, do you get the competitive juices going? It normally does, but uh, hold on a second. Oh, oh yeah! Oh. oh, that is beautiful. Look at that. That's beautiful. Ah, uh, what does a guy got to do to get some ship to him? Uh, let me look at <laughs> that. Either that or get in the car there. and drive up to Minneapolis. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's produced in other areas too. Um, forgive me. Your question was, what do we? Uh, what do I do during this time of year? Do, well, I, I just did like do your juices kind of start flowing again? Do you do you start feeling the competitive itch going again? No, I'm too old for that crap. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy the Olympics. I enjoy both summer and winter. I'm not a huge fan of some of the new sports. What is this we're watching here? Slope style. Slope style, whatever the hell it's called. <laughs> That's not your favorite. Well, I just, I just, uh, it's just, yeah, it just doesn't do much for me. That's fair. Um, my wife, my wife was a uh, Division One ski racer for Middlebury, so we like to ski and we like to, we like the skiing events. 
I just don't like slope style. <laughs> and I, I have my, I have a stepson who is really a really good, he's a good athlete, but he's a really strong snowboarder. But I don't think he's a, he's, he's more of a freestyle guy. He doesn't do the, what is it called? The pipe? The half pipe. The half pipe. He doesn't do it. He might do it, but he doesn't do it like those guys do it. Like Sean White. I don't know how anybody does. I, I'd have Sean a broken back. A, I mean, he's obviously made a huge career out of that. And so, you know, kudos to him for helping promote the that. But I, you know what? At the end of the day, I love the Olympics. I love everything it stands for, guys. People are working hard to, to and they're competing for something that's significant. So you are obviously as a Minnesota guy. Hockey is king up there. Am I allowed to embellish? We are all. This is the Garage Beers podcast. Yeah, of course. Let's go again, Rob. All right, there it is. The theme of the show is. Beers. I'm not a dark beer guy, though, man. I can't do dark beers. You, well, I'll change. Is that, it for is you that a, a Guinness? No, this is. I don't know. We haven't. I don't know that we've even had Guinness on here. Uh, no, mine's called. I picked a hockey uh, brew out of Columbus called Filthy McNasty. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's mine. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure throughout the travels there, you found someone with a nickname McNasty. <laughs> well, just a couple. There's a few. Of <laughs> yeah, them right. 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 <laughs> uh, so, just just kind of like, you know, we kind of a lot of people know your backstory a little bit, whether it's because they remember watching you and watching the team or the movies that have come out, especially the big one back in 2004, Miracle. Uh, a Minnesota guy. You grew up in Minnesota. Uh, you played at Minnesota. Uh, just talk about like growing up Minnesota. Hockey is life up there, right? And and so you know what kind of led you to playing at the University of Minnesota and, and playing for her her Brooks. Well, back in those days, um, kids went from high school to college. They didn't. They didn't. We didn't have to, anybody that went from high school to juniors was that was the next move. So. Um, Back in the mid-70s, the best college teams were Michigan Tech mm -hmm. and Minnesota. And uh, they played for the NCAA championship in 74, 75, and 76. And mm -hmm. so I was recruited heavily by Michigan Tech, and I actually was very close to going there until uh, I went to Minnesota, and Herbie had what he called this recruiting weekend where he brought all of his recruits in at the same time with nope we'll see if we can get him back here oh, you there he is, you there he is. you're back he's back everybody that was recruited we, we all went to the recruiting weekend the same oh no <laughs> this is this is the the joys of live broadcasts yeah right <laughs> so you can't hear me there you go. You're back. You just kept frozen, up, freezing up there a little bit, but you're all right. It's probably my laptop. It's, you know, I'm an old guy with old technology. Um, <laughs> anyway, Herbie had a recruiting weekend and, and all of his recruits were in at the same time. And after that, I just, I knew where I wanted to go. And that was Minnesota. Yeah. What were your first impressions of him uh, during that weekend? Herbie? Yeah. Well, when he recruited me, he was nice. Oh, okay. <laughs> Lies. <laughs> just like all coaches. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, he was, he was, um, he was hard, man. He was a taskmaster. Best coach I played for, and I'd play for him tomorrow, but he was hard. You had, 
not everybody could play for Herbie. And, and as he progressed, he was a different coach on the Olympic team than he was at the U and he was a different coach in New York with the Rangers than he was on the Olympic team. And so, I mean, Herbie was as much a student of the game as anybody that played. All right, we're starting to we're starting to get Rob McClanahan a new laptop. Oh God, <laughs> fun! I don't know what's going on. I apologize. It's okay. <laughs> it's only cutting out for like a second at a time, so it's not really it's not a big deal at all. Uh, uh, so, again, a lot of I feel like a lot of the questions are going to be a combination of what we know about what happened and then what what we saw in the movie. So my first question is. A movie like Miracle comes out. Do they like talk to you guys about that? Yes. So Gavin okay. O'Connor was the director. And Gavin O'Connor reached out to every player on the team, and as did their respective actors. And the one thing he says, I want to make a movie that makes you guys proud. And, and I would argue that for the most part, he did it. The problem was that our best player was Mark Johnson. He was our Magic Johnson. And the gentleman that portrayed him probably wasn't the strongest actor. So he didn't have a, a, a very big role in the acting area. Whereas the individual who portrayed me, Nathan West was a professional actor. I don't have any idea why I had such a big role in the movie, other than the fact that he could act because I, I wasn't any more important than anybody else in that movie. Um, you know, you, obviously you got to have Jimmy Craig and you got to have Mike Ruzioni, but and you only have so many stories with which to be able to tell in a two hour movie. So uh, some of the guys probably didn't get the representation that they should have. Who are some other guys? Like you mentioned, Mark, were there some other guys that you think that should have stood out more? I think every one of them I'd like, I would have loved yeah. to have seen 20 guys get, get as much of a role as a Ruzioni. <laughs> I mean, Rizzo was obviously our captain, but he was a horseshit hockey player. <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah. what I say? Yes. What really ticks him off is I, I tell him, he's got, if he hears this, he's going to kill me. Um, you know, he says in, a, in a, the HBO documentary, you know, three inches to the left and I'd be painting bridges. Well, I, I always say what, he's lucky enough when he took the shot, his eyes were closed. So what you're telling me, what you're telling me, what you're telling all of us, Rob, is that the rivalry, the the Boston Minnesota rivalry? Oh, it exists. That, that wasn't exists. That wasn't played it up. It definitely exists, and we always say when we start chirping like this, it's the phrase, "Oh, you're going to get regional on me," because the Boston guys start chirping too. It's not just me. It's it's a it the regionalism still exists, but in a very loving way. So what yeah. I what I always wanted to know, I graduated from Bowling Green State University and two of your teammates. George McPhee. Well, you had you had and Ken, Mark Wells and Kenny Morrow. Ken Morrow and Mark Wells there. But George McPhee was in uh, New York with me. Did they all just kind of sit in the middle of the room like, oh man, these guys are fighting again? And there's no, like these bowling I, green. I, I don't know. <laughs> Mo was always quiet. And Wells, he always had a babe on his arm. So <clears throat> Oh, okay. That's a Bowling Green boy for you. <laughs> That's how that works. <laughs> uh, so, uh, like, 
first of all, when it comes to to trying out for Team USA, I always found that to be a, a pretty fascinating part. Was it just one big kind of open tryout like that, like or not open tryout, but a, a, an invitation tryout? No, it was like, invitation, but it was actually it was two weeks, and so they had four teams, eighty four players tried out. There were four teams: Minnesota, uh, New England, the Midwest, and an at large. And we played games every other day, and it was a tournament. And then on the off days, we would be tested for speed and quickness and all the other stuff that Jack Latherick did. And and after two weeks, it was midnight, and we were all in a classroom with grade school cool grade school desks. Oh my and god! Herbie Herbie said, "I'm going to call 26 players out." When you hear your name, if you hear your name, you get up and go back to this room back here. And if you don't hear your name, I'll stay here as long as I need to, to anybody who wants to talk to me and tell them why they didn't make the team. And so he started naming off names. Now, I'd played for him for three years. And, you know, it, there was no order. It wasn't geographic. It wasn't alphabetical. It wasn't by age. Uh, there was no rhyme or reason. And so Neil Broughton was sitting to my left. And about two-thirds of the way through the roster, I looked at Neil, and we both kind of said, what the heck is going on? And we rolled our eyes. And then right after that, <laughs> Neil's name was called, and then my name was called. So now we, we're excited, but we have to be composed because you got 60 other kids behind us whose name will not be called. So once we got into the other room, it was bedlam. It was high-fiving, and, and uh, it was that was as cool a moment for me as – as any I've ex any I've ever experienced. I love it. That I, I think that that is that's a cooler story than I think what you witnessed, like let's say in the movie. And again, it can't be a hundred percent accurate, uh, where he, they just kind of called names and he just walks off. I love hearing it makes Herb Brooks sound a little more like you said, maybe a little nicer. Yeah, I'll, not I'll sit I'll sit around and, and talk to you for as long as you want about why you didn't make the team. Yeah, right. And you know how many guys actually sat around and talked to him? Probably zero. <laughs> none. None. <laughs> he knew that was gonna that was gonna happen. That's why he said we'll never know the answer to that question because he's not here. That's true. Uh the other thing, and I read you 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 did an interview on this. Uh one of the things that people talk about over and over and over again is the again scene, the Norway scene, where you guys got put on the ice and skated until your legs fell off. But that wasn't even like that wasn't all that bad for you because you've been around Herb Brooks for a while. That was not even one of the longer, one oh, of the no. longer skates like that that you went through. Correct? That's correct. So uh, we did skate for about an hour. They did turn the lights out. But my freshman year was the fall of '76, and the Gophers had just won the NCAA title, uh, and they had that was the year where BU and Minnesota got in the brawl in the semifinals. Now, in the movie, they made it look like I had played on that team, but I had actually was still in high school. And so we went to Lake Superior State, which at the time was a D2 school working their way to get to D1 status, and we lost 4-3. to three. So we flew back to Minneapolis on Sunday, and Herbie said, go get your gear on. And so Sunday, we got on the ice. Three and a half hours later, we got off the ice. Oh, God. All we did were Herbie's. We had a 15-minute break for the Zamboni to clean the ice. Monday, we got on the ice at 2.30 and got off at 6.15 with a 15-minute break to clean the ice. And all we did were Herbie's. Tuesday, on the ice at 2.30, off at 
So 10 and a half hours over three days of Herbie's. Now, you can't do that today. <clears throat> Excuse me. You couldn't do that today. You'd get fired. But he made his point. I don't remember who we played the following weekend, but I'm sure we, we killed him. <laughs> well, yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> at, what do you at, feel at like? Point, it becomes, it's just a, it's a diminishing return type of deal. You just He's just making a point. I was going to say, like, if you watch that movie, right, All everybody's hunched over and we got guys oh, like – By the way, in that, the movie, the guys were throwing up. We didn't get sick. We were – no way. We just skated. We never right. – we didn't throw up. But you do that for three and a half hours. What would you feel like at the end of that? Not very good, but I didn't throw up. <laughs> listen, yeah, I mean, listen. Life, life sucked at the time. But <laughs> it's, a pride, it's a pride thing. If I had thrown up, I would have just kept it in and swallowed it. I didn't want anybody to see me get uh -oh. sick. Jesus. That's like a hockey player. In there. Yeah. And if you throw up, come off the ice, I'll tell you why I'm making you do Hermes for 10 and a half hours over three days. Yeah. I'll stick around as long as anybody wants. It's fine. That's a true story. Yeah. That, that, is, that is exactly what happened. And it, it was not fun. Man. Oh, my gosh. So you go through all this, uh, you, you know, so you go through the training camp. Yeah, I mean, you go through all the exhibition games. Then, you know, come a few days before, you know, the opening ceremonies, you guys played the Soviets. And you basically get steamrolled. You get steamrolled 10 to 3. Uh, you know, going into that game, I mean, were you, were you guys, what was what was the feeling like going into that game? And how did you overcome it after after taking that loss? Well, it was 10 to 3 and it wasn't that close. <laughs> um, and Mark, I was on Mark, Mark Johnson and I were line mates for pretty much three quarters of the year. And then Herbie would rotate the right wings. I think Silky was on our line that game. But anyway, I went up to him at center ice to start the game. And I said, what the hell are we doing here? And then we lost it. Like we lost 10 to three and it wasn't that close. It just wasn't, they were that good. But when we got to Lake Placid, we had a team meeting and Herbie said, the next day, he said, if we get some breaks and play at the top of our game, we can win a bronze. If if we play at the top of our game and get every break, we can win a silver. Forget the gold. The Soviets have the gold. Wow. From there, the Soviets had to come. Th then they started playing the tournament. I saw them beat Japan 19 to nothing or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> they had to come from behind against the Canadians and the Finns, so they were flat. They were, they were fat cats. They, they had lost their focus. And so Herbie saw that too, and he started playing on that. Now, anybody that looks at Stan, uh, at uh, Mikhailov, who was their captain, yep. he looks like Stan Laurel. Yeah. <laughs> so if you put a picture of Stan Laurel next to Boris Mikhailov, they look alike. And so he started calling Mikhailov Stan Laurel. Oh, no. From Laurel and Hardy. And – he just tried to get us not to lose focus, but he just tried to get us to relax a little bit and have a little fun with it. Cause he knew after we tied Sweden and beaten the Czechs, if we take care of business, we were going to have to play the Soviets. Man. And it, you know, it worked, it worked. We were nervous as hell going into the game, but it worked. And you know, there was nothing Herbie wasn't prepared for. Mm-hmm. I would argue that he was the only coach in, in the world that was prepared to go up four to three with 10 minutes to go against the Soviets. He, <laughs> he had some, he had a plan for that. So I want to know, cause whenever any of thing like this, and this doesn't even have to be the movie miracle. This can be literally any movie for any reason. Uh, the, the Soviets are the bad guys. The U S team is the good guys, whatever. 
And they have them out on the ice, and they're just kind of grunt, right? The Soviets just kind of grunt out on the ice, and they make mean faces. Was there any like, was there any like dialogue out on the ice there? Was there any like, was there Between any like players? No. Yeah. Was there any like sportsmanship, or was it like really yeah. that mean the whole time? Soviets didn't say jack. They didn't say anything. Really? No. Not that I remember. That's wow. crazy to me. Wow. Well, my next one's a two-part for you here, uh, Rob. You know, who was more intimidating? Was it the Soviets or was it Herb? And, <laughs> and how was that team, that's the Soviet team, that good? Like, what what made them so special? Well, they were older. They were truly professionals. Um, they were the, some of the best players in the world. And in those days, the Soviet Union... That's what they they did. They were a hockey machine, and they developed their players. They were ahead of their time in terms of training, mm -hmm. and that's why they were so good is because they were also, up until they faced us, they were the best-conditioned team in the world, and they could withstand anything. Um, but they got – they got tired. I mean – it. They weren't able to enjoy any of their success. It was expected of them, and and it was, they didn't. There was no joy in what they were doing anymore. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's a great point. And Trejcik will talk about that. Trejcik says, you know, when we won, he he'd forgotten. They had forgotten. You know, they they were. I don't want to say they were shocked, but they were. I guess impressed by the fact that we were so excited. Now we had nothing to lose, but they had forgotten the joy of winning. That is, yeah, that's that's a, a heck of a point. Like if you, if they win, it's just yeah, you're you should have you should have won. And if they lose, right. it's it's the worst thing ever. Yeah, uh, uh, a couple of things that. Uh, You've got, I think, stories on that. The injury was real. You you had oh, yeah. a leg. You had a leg injury, and the and the confrontation between you and Herb was real. But you say you say it was more intense than well, what what even happened in the movie. Like you guys went at it. Let me ask you this: Did you guys have seen the movie? Do you think that scene was intense? I mean, it's a no. Disney. It's a Disney. Yeah, movie. yeah. It's, it's yeah. no, no. I mean, as a, as someone who played sports, I definitely didn't feel as intense as it could have. So, I was ready to throw a punch when he walked out of the locker room, and I followed him into the into the hallway. So, my teammates, I was ready. I was throwing a punch when Herbie turned and they grabbed me, and and I followed. Then they let go of me, and I followed him out in the hallway, and I'm yelling at him, saying, "You're you know, you're not going to tell me if I can play. I'll tell you if I can play." Now the Swedish locker room was right next to ours. And so it's it's after the first period of the first game before the opening ceremonies, and the US team has already lost their marbles. Libby <laughs> <laughs> and I are literally out in the hallway screaming at each other. And we're one period into the tournament. <laughs> Unfortunately, I've never talked to Herbie about it. And I, it's hard to argue with, with the results. I'd seen him do similar things to players at Minnesota. I just never envisioned he would do it to me. Uh, that is, uh, you know, again, I think I think part of it is like the, the, the guy that played you in the movie was like kind of this baby-faced, 
Like he's much better looking than I am. He's very super nice. The lettuce, like the lettuce was friendly. impressive, man. Did you have that long lettuce back then? It was impressive. Uh, I had some hair. I still have hair. I, I still have a full head of hair. Oh, yeah. you I got light in the background. That's screwing up the picture, but I, I'm <laughs> see if I can fix this. Oh, there we go. Well, they have you on CNBC every once in a while, and you can't be having those long locks on there. You got to be looking a little more. No, I'm not into long locks anymore. Can't do it. <laughs> uh, the other question is, and I don't know if you remember this, but they play it. I, we're from Cleveland. If you go to a Cavs game, one of the things they'll play like in a big moment is the speech from the movie uh, the before that game. Before the Soviet game. Correct. Herb yeah. gave a speech, right? Do you remember anything about it? No, and I think most every player will say they don't remember exactly what he said. So I think what he said in the movie is probably fairly close to what he said, but I don't remember. I no do way. know, I do remember what he said before the Finland game. And it was. Can I use profanity? Please. Yeah. All right, so Herbie was, like I said, Herbie was prepared for everything, and he had a speech before every game. He was, that's just the way he was. So after we'd beaten the Soviets, actually the practice on Saturday between the Friday game and the Sunday game was the hardest, one of the hardest practices we had all year. It wasn't the longest, but it was hard because he wanted to make sure we stayed focused. So he walked in the locker room on Sunday before the game, and he paced back and forth, not saying a word. Now, Herbie never swore, but he looked at us, and he said, if you lose this game, you'll take it to your fucking grave. <laughs> He turned, walked to the door, and turned back and said, you're fucking great, and left. That's all he said. <laughs> That's all he said. Now, after the second period, we're down two to one. Yeah. And Craig Patrick tells the story. Herbie's so nervous, he says, Patty, I can't go into the room. You go in there. So Craig came in and started trying to coach us up, and we said, Patty, get the hell out of here. <laughs> There's no way we're going to lose this game. And so Patty went out to the hall and Herbie said, I'll go. He said, they're okay. And we ended up scoring three goals in the third period and won four, two. <laughs> I don't oh. even want to know what he said before the Soviet came now, because that Finland story tops it. That's as simple as he can get. And he, I'm telling you, he never swore. And he was, he always had a, not a long winded, but he was always, you know, I, I, I believe he had a psych major in college. So. Oh, I can just yeah. see a group of kids sitting around a locker room. You're fucking grave. And everybody just looks at each other like, uh, you know fine. what? <laughs> okay. You know what? He was right. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. So we'd already done the hard part. Yeah. That takes me to that. The, the night of that Soviet game, right? Ruzzi only scores the goal. It's the longest 10 minutes in literally history in, in history, yeah. that 10 minutes whether you were a sports fan, whether you were on the team, whether you were just watching the Olympics, had to have been the longest 10 minutes on the planet. What I want to know is this. The the buzzer sounds. What what happens the night, that February night in 1980, these kids from the U.S. have just taken down the Soviets and knocked them out of the Olympics. Uh, what happens that night? Nothing. Uh, we, had, we had a game to play in two days. That was you it. Know, we, we had done the hard part. It was the longest 36 hours because we played at five on Friday and we had to play at 11 on Sunday. And so, you know, that Saturday was a very long day. Um, 
you know, the clock couldn't move fast enough to, to play. We wanted to get the game. We wanted to, we would have played the game right after that. <laughs> yeah, I bet. But um, that was, that was a tough period just to have the patience to wait, to wait for it and to make sure we get the rest and all that stuff. But um, it was worth it. So the night you win the gold medal, what happens that night? <laughs> yeah. I don't remember. Oh, no, it is. Okay. <laughs> there it is. We had, we had a few libations. I'll say that. Uh, I, I, I might have had a headache going to the White House the next day. <laughs> yes, as you should have. As you should have. But the Finns, like you talked about the Finland game. The Finns were no like, that, that was not a, everybody talks about, oh, they beat the Soviets and then they just had to beat the Finns. But like, you're talking about like, Yari Curry and uh, you know, like a well, really Miko Leninen, who I play with. In, I was going to say uh, he was your Europe. teammate. Yeah. So yeah, the Finns were good, but their their style was very one of uh, a very defensive type of team, very conservative. And once we got the lead, we just needed to get the lead. It's just we always made things a little more challenging than perhaps we could or should have, but. Um, I think throughout the tournament, the ratio of goals in the first period for and against was probably maybe one to one. But in the third period, we outscored our opponents probably four or five to one would be my guess. I mean, we, and that has to do with conditioning. We just, you know, as Herbie said, uh, you're not going to win a game in the first period. You're going to win it in the third. And that's, and he was right. All right. Well, Rob, uh, well, I'm thank you for your time. Just a few quick fun things uh, to, to, to end it here. And I want to know, it's, yeah, do you have a favorite Herb story that people might not know or that people do know? But what's one of your what's your favorite? Just take one. What's well, one of your favorite Herb stories? Herbie, Herbie he, he didn't really have a soft spot. So um, <laughs> if he was ticked at his players, he would he would say something like this. He would say, Kristoff. You're you're playing worse and worse every day, and right now you're playing like it's next month. Oh God! Oh God! Oh, God. Now, he, yes, he chewed me out in the locker room of the, after the, in the Sweden game, but he never said that to me. Yeah, but I, when he said that to Kristoff, I you could see steam coming out of his ears. <laughs> like it's next month. Oh man! Oh, okay. I, I wish I had like one tenth of the ability to just come up with something like that. Well, it was Herbie didn't make that up. He got it from John Mariucci. There wasn't an original bone in Herbie's body. <laughs> Herbie, Herbie plagiarized everything. Trust. <laughs> oh God! All we right. All well, and now we got to what? Then I want to move on to some team things. Like, were you at the Christmas party when pheasant bones started being thrown? I don't know if it was pheasant bones, but we no, we did give Herbie the uh, Ayatollah Humani the whip. <laughs> oh, that was <laughs> oh, that was that party. Okay, yeah, <laughs> oh, shit. that was a good party. That oh, was actually right. that was that was actually t- one party that Herbie actually relaxed a little bit. Oh, you saw you kind of did see a little. Uh, he started to break, and then when he felt it was, he started to get a little soft. He just kind of yeah. listen. I gotta go. I gotta go. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> you know, All right. you know when, when we beat the Soviets, Herbie wasn't around. Herbie left. He, Herbie walked off the bench. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That was it. He just he just wasn't there. Okay. He was in the he was back in the back hallways, and we didn't see him in the locker room till later. Wow, wow. Okay. 
All right. The infamous Christmas tree prank. Have you figured it out all these years later? Oh, yeah. On? Finally. Finally came. Yep. The, tr the true story finally came out. That rat bastard, Dave Christian. <laughs> so, so Mark and I were roommates. Magic and I were roommates. We bought a Christmas tree. It was, you know, we each had significant others, and, and uh, we were somewhat sentimental. So we bought a Christmas tree, and Davy Christian was the one. It wasn't – Davy's the one that took it, but the entire freaking team was behind it. <laughs> <laughs> we would have meetings on the off days of that holiday tournament. On the practice days, we would have uh, meetings, and Mike Ruzioni was Inspector Clouseau. Remember the old uh, Peter Sellers movie? Yeah, right? yeah, right, right. The uh, Pink Panther. Does your dog bite? Exactly. Yeah, that's not my dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they we, every day we'd get a new clue. And okay. Finally, finally the tree showed up. But yeah, Davy Christian was the culprit. Oh Jesus! <laughs> now, I do you and now do you guys? I read, I read that you guys would give each other shit about your accents. Like, would you still give Aruzioni shit to this day about it, or I give him shit about everything? Everything. <laughs> okay. All right. And he, and he does, he does to me too. Oh yeah, it's like we've never been apart for sure. That's fair. Now, I also uh, read that you guys made a big jokes about uh, the psychology tests. <laughs> yeah, see, I was just asked that. I I just talked to a youth group. Uh, that's why I was so late getting to your show. I was talking to a youth group, and um, somebody asked me that. I don't. I know we took it because other guys talk about it, but I don't. Re I don't remember a thing about it. Okay. Right. So, last question, Rob. Go back to the the moment, right? The the thing that will live forever and ever and ever. Uh, we just watched. We just watched potentially what's Al Michaels' last broadcast. Uh, uh, he was on the call. It's 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 the end of the game against the Soviets. Maybe that lasts like ten seconds, right? How clear is that to you still to this day? Is it just crystal? Like, what did you what do you remember doing right when the horn sounded? I don't remember anything doing anything. Probably threw my stick up in the air. I will say this though: if you watch the last, I don't think any of us has, have ever watched the game in its entirety. I know I haven't. Really? But if you see the last clip where Al Michaels says his deal, none of us want to touch the puck because we don't want to be the one to screw it up and give up a goal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm not kidding. That's true. Nobody – we just kept throwing the puck. Get, get it out. It's like a hot potato. Get rid of it. And, um, you know, the Soviets had the ability to score so quickly, it's – to this day, I'm amazed that they weren't able to do it. I, I don't know. Divine intervention for sure. Well, we, pre we appreciate the divinity of that because it gives us, one of, again, one of the greatest moments in the history of sports uh, was, was that moment when you guys, a bunch of kids, uh, uh, not professional athletes, went on and took down the Soviets. And, and listen – don't make yourself sound like a slouch because you kind of talked about yourself before. Like, oh, I was just this guy. Uh, you scored five goals in seven games, and your goal won the gold medal yeah. for for the team. So, like, let's not act like you were just some slouch out there just schlubbing the puck around, not knowing what you were doing. Well, Mike, you're very kind. I appreciate that. I will say this. Um, it wasn't just me, but um, it's a moment that we're all really, really proud of. You know, we don't we don't go out of out of our way to talk about it, but 
we don't shy away from it when people bring it up and it's you know it's one of the greatest moments of my life and it's one of the greatest moments of our lives in terms of my teammates as well uh, and I, I think I think for a fair number of people that were either watching it or that were there live to witness it, I bet a lot of them would say it's one of the highlights of their lives as well. And and so we appreciate the fact that you don't shy away from talking about it and that you crack open a delicious uh, <laughs> Miracle on Ice uh, beverage there. And what? yeah, give what it another What brewery shout is out. that again? What brewery is that again? It's Miracle on Ice Golden Ale. It's, uh, <clears throat> hold on here. Brewed and canned by uh, Glen Falls, New York. There oh. you go. It's Glen, Glen Falls okay. Brewing Company, Queensbury, New York. What? Okay. I bet we All can right. find that. I bet we. I bet we can find that around here, Chad. That's our goal. We are trying to find that. Uh, Rob, listen. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, we love the fact that you were able to join us, especially as the Winter Olympics are going on. Hopefully, Team USA can stay on the torrid streak that they're on because they're yeah. off to a great start. Uh, and uh, Listen, thank you so much for sharing some insights, some stories. Uh, it was an awesome time chatting with you. And, uh, you know, maybe – oh, hold on, Chad's, Chad's – One real quick – one real quick thing, Rob, is uh, is is your high school team – I know Minnesota has this this mullet uh, competition thing that they oh, have on yeah, TV. Yeah, the, the, are, the are they part of it? Here. Yeah, the every hockey kid, here. They, every kid in high school is part of that. But if you don't make the state <laughs> tournament, you waste your time. So uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's definitely a deal. The, the the hockey mullets or the hockey hair, and then everybody has an outdoor rink now. It's crazy in their backyard. And I'm going to end it with a comment from one of our from one of our listeners here, uh, BD Chins. He was talking about your beer, and he said your beer is made with the tears of real Soviets. <laughs> and I don't know, I don't know how we can end it any better than that. Rob, thank you so much for joining us. This has been awesome. Rob McClanahan from the 1980 U.S. Olympic gold medal winning team. Uh, we we. We really appreciate your time and wish you nothing but the best. Thanks, guys. Sorry I was so late, but it was fun. It was a blast. Thank Thanks you, again, Rob. All right, guys. Take care. You too. Once again, Rob McClanahan from Team USA. Uh, one of the great, one of the great moments ever. I was I, neither one of us, Chad, were alive. I know. I know a lot of our listeners are probably going to be like, "Oh, these two idiots," but. I, I was born in the 80s. I was not born in 1980. Uh, and so I was not there to experience the the, the moment. Yeah. But that moment gets passed down. I was born you know, two years later. I was born I two years later. I, I my mom graduated from Bowling Green. And my mom took such pride in the fact that there were a couple, uh, a couple Bowling Green guys on that team. Uh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like the moment gets passed down and it isn't just – it it isn't just you know watching the movie and all that, but man, I it, what what a what a story and how fun that was to just talk about one of the I'm, I'm, he he played himself down a little bit. One of the most important players on that team was Rob. Yeah. Oh, uh, Rob McClanahan. A hundred percent. I mean, when you when you talk about the most iconic uh, moments in, in U.S. Olympic sports history, Mike. I mean, there's. I, I don't think there's 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 what Jesse Owens did. There's what this team did, and I I don't know I, I don't know any like I don't know if you could round out a top five like a more like like a more important Amer like American sports moment than than what happened. But yeah, Rob as, as far as Mc, uh, Rob went, yeah, he was 
he was one of the top scorers on that on, on that team during that tournament. So yeah, he, he played himself down, but don't 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 let him sell you short there, folks. He was definitely a big important piece uh, to that. To, to that team and and why they won the gold, you know, it, it, he great on, act, great actor aside in that movie, <laughs> and he went on to have a pretty decent NHL career as well. So listen yeah. again, once again, our huge thank you goes out to Rob McClanahan coaching some high school football or high school football, Jesus, high school hockey up there in Minnesota. Uh, again, if you know Glen Falls Brewery, you know you can go find the Miracle on Ice beer. Uh, so go check that out. We're going to see if we can get it for the podcast here uh, at some point. But uh, when we end this, I might go fl- like try to look it up and see if I can order it. Yeah. Listen, next week, uh, uh, make sure you're, stay t- uh, you're, you're tuned in to our live stream next week. We're going to have a beer giveaway uh, from our friends over at Rivalry Brews, where they're basically just going to give you a free uh, mix and match six pack. And so we're going to give that away to one of our followers next week. Uh, there's the dog. Uh, one of our commenters, uh, Paul, said he was only watching to see my perverted dog. There he is. But I put his his humpy toys are over there so that he won't come in the background. Are you sure? Why does he have a cigarette he's, in his mouth? He's so disappointed. He's so disappointed. <laughs> okay. uh, right. So we're going to do a six-pack giveaway, and, and Chad's actually going to have a six-pack example uh, next week to talk about as well. So make sure you stick tuned with that. Uh, And also, listen, before we get out of here, NBA weekend, All-Star weekend is this weekend in Cleveland. Uh, We're going to be around it. Chad's going to be around it. I think I'm going to be around it at least a little bit. Uh, So we'll get you some stuff from All-Star weekend, and we'll break all that down, uh, hopefully with another special guest next week. But, uh, Chad, I think that's pretty much going to do it for us. The only thing we got to do is our three cheers of the week. Joey had to dip out halfway through the interview, so it's just going to be our two cheers of the week. And so – Chad, start it off. What's your uh, what's your cheer of the week? Cheers to you for not making it a quick one. Thanks, Mike. You Listen, know how tired I am. Uh, Listen. <laughs> no, I want to. Ch- Listen, I want to cheers the city of Cleveland. You know, I've been heavily involved in uh, in uh, the planning and, and what's going on with this All Star Weekend, and it's going to be a blast, folks. You guys are going to. It's it's going to be an event that's going to make your city proud. So if you get a chance to go down there to witness any of it. To, to just see the spectacle of All-Star Weekend. Definitely do it because a lot of people put in a lot of hard work to put on a very special event, and it's it's going to be awesome. So my cheers goes to the city of Cleveland and everybody involved in putting together the All-Star Game. Listen, like I said, I'll be down there for a chunk of it. So if you are in the Cleveland area and you're going to be down there for the All-Star Game, send me a, send me a tweet. Uh, send me a message on Instagram, something, and we'll meet up and we'll have a beer. I'm always down for that. Uh, uh, Chad's working, so... Uh, I'm the more fun one. Friendly guy. I'm the more fun one, anyway. So you guys can (laughs) hang out with me. Uh, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Lastly, my uh, my cheer goes out to. We're going to bring it back to the Super Bowl where we started. It goes out to Van Jefferson. Just a congrats to that dude. What a story that was. Van Jefferson wins the Super Bowl. Wide receiver for the Rams wins the Super Bowl. And as he's winning the Super Bowl in the stadium. His wife goes into labor and he has to, he gets like three seconds to celebrate on the field before somebody comes up to him and says, Hey, uh, you're about to have a baby. He just grabs his stuff, runs out, rushes off to the hospital. And within a three hour span, Van Jefferson wins the Lombardi trophy, wins the Super Bowl, And within three hours, Van Jefferson's baby is born. And I just think 
What a, uh, you know what, our, our listener, a listener comment here, BD Chins, what a blessing indeed. Uh, and that comes from a guy, uh, BD Chins over there. I shouldn't say a guy. I don't know whether that's a guy, but I, that comes from a BD Chins over there who is a Bengals fan. Uh, and so uh, what a blessing indeed uh, for that guy. And what a cool story that was. And what right. a story, what a story that kid is going to be able to tell forever and ever and ever about right. being a Super Bowl baby. Uh, I just thought that was really cool and what a, what a feel-good story it was. So, listen, that's going to do it for us. Again, All-Star Weekend coming up, Super Bowl's done, and for the love of God, never say the word Odell Beckham Jr. again here <laughs> if you're a Browns fan or beyond it. So, uh, real quick before we get out of here, our thank yous, our first thank you goes out to the OBR. Uh, we are like a month into this thing with the OBR, and we're having more fun than I can even tell you. Uh, the OBR has been an awesome host for us, and we look forward to growing more and more with them. So thank you to the OBR for, for hosting this and uh, uh, letting us jump on their Twitch channel. Uh, our thank you goes to Rob McClanahan from the 1980 U.S. Men's Olympic team. It was awesome talking to Rob and reliving that a little bit. Had a great time with him. And as always, our last and our biggest thank you, whether you joined us live or whether you are listening to the audio version of this, our biggest thank you goes out to you, the listener, the follower. Again, get over to our socials at the Garage Beers. Follow us, especially Instagram and Twitter, please. It's uh, uh, it's a big deal for us, especially when it comes to getting guests. They look at that, and so uh, if you could go follow us, if you're not already, that'd be great. And if you're listening to us, make sure you subscribe and make sure you give us a review because that matters as well. But again, a huge thank you to you guys. So that's going to do it for us. We're going to get out of here for Joey down there in Nashville, Tennessee at Garage Beers. Joe, for Chad over there on the east in Menor. I got to say in Menor now. For Chad over there in oh, Menor. 152nd at- and Eddie. Thank you. 152nd <laughs> and Eddie. At Garage Beers, Chad. I'm Michael Keefe at Garage Beers. Mike, this has been episode 104. We'll see you next week, everybody. Cheers. <laughs>